my previous surgeon, he wanted to cut my hip flexor. And he was like, you're never going to be able to like get in the car again. You're going to have to like use your like arms, to, like lift up your leg. And I'm like, my mom, thank goodness for her. She's like, no, we're not doing that. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're not doing that. I am so excited to have Rachel Dotson on the Freedom Stories podcast today. Her story is inspiring. If you know of a teenager who is struggling, this podcast is for them. If you are a teenager and you are enduring a really difficult time right now, listen into Rachel. Her story is incredible. Today on the Freedom Stories podcast, we have a special guest. We have Rachel Dotson. I'm going to share a little bit about Rachel uh, before she jumps on, just to give some context as to why she is on this show. She is 20 years old. She is very, very tall and slender. And the reason that that is important is coming up soon. You will find that out very soon. But Rachel, can you say hi to everybody real quick? Hi. Yeah. So Rachel, where do you work? I work at Freedom. That's right. Exactly. You've been around, you, you know, you've been around so much and we really appreciated everything about who you are. And um, we're excited that you're on this podcast to share the story as to um, who you are and what you've overcome. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for inviting me. So Rachel, you were 14 when your pain started in your hip, in that yeah. right hip. Yes. And now you're 20. So yes. you've had six years of enduring this right hip pain. Mm -hmm. yes. You've also had how many surgeries now? Four. That's right, four surgeries. So practically every year of high school, you had a hip surgery, specifically on that right hip. Yep, all on the right, yeah. First one was a labral repair. Yes. The second one was another revision to the labral repair. Yes, correct. Then from there, it got a little dicey with doctors trying mm -hmm. to figure out exactly what was going on. How many, yep. how many doctors do you think, if you just had to throw out a guess, did you visit from that second surgery onto kind of these final ones? Probably like five or 10, because I would go to a doctor and then they'd be like, okay, we're going to send you here. And then we're going to send you here. But wait, we're going to send you here too, because we can't figure it out. So mm -hmm. I went to a lot of different doctors in that time period. And they all told me something different. So we were kind of a little confused with what was going on what was some of the craziest things you heard uh one of the doctors told me that like I had to have my like whole like muscle taken out and like go to Connecticut and have like an artificial like muscle put into my hip for some reason what muscle um, was that do you remember <laughs> I have no idea okay. but uh I was just like looking at my mom the whole time I was like what is going on and then my other, like my previous surgeon, he wanted to cut my hip flexor and he was like, you're never going to be able to like get in the car again. You're going to have to like use your like arms, to like lift up your leg. And I'm like, my mom, thank goodness for her. She's like, no, we're not doing that. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're not doing that. So. So 15 and 16, you had the labral repairs. Yes. Went through a, a myriad of different doctors who were trying mm -hmm. to help you, but just given some, you know guidance that just seemed a little outrageous yeah the surgery you ended up having was quite outrageous as well what uh -huh. made you decide to go that direction to have that surgery 
Yeah, the last, kind of these last two. Um, well, I kind of, I went, so I started going to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota and I saw a few different doctors there and they told me since I had had two failed surgeries that there wasn't many options for success in a lot of different areas since I was still having pain. And so that it was either have this surgery now or in like five years, have a complete hip replacement rather than just having the surgery. So it seemed like the best option at the time and still what's the best option now to have that surgery done so that I won't have to have a hip replacement, hopefully. Anytime and soon. what surgery was that that you had? I had a PAO to correct congenital hip dysplasia. <laughs> and that is periacetabular osteotomy for those who care. <laughs> yeah. And that is valuable. We kind of opened the show with talking about your you know, long slender build. Yeah. That is common for teenagers who are tall and slender to have this acetabular um, issue. To give some context to the listeners, this the acetabulum is the socket of the hip. And so it needs to be nice and deep. But when it's not deep and it's really shallow, then the ball, the head of the femur, when it sits inside of the socket, if it's really shallow, then it can move around. And that's why you're having a lot of these labral tears is because that ball in the socket was just moving a lot because it wasn't a deep rooted groove. I have a question. This is an interesting okay. question. <laughs> this is just for my nerdy physical therapy self. When did you start walking? How old were you? Just curious. No, probably like one, two. Okay. I'm sure. Okay, okay. So you don't remember there was no bragging like Rachel started walking when she was eight. <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe. The reason I brought that up is specifically for myself and who and maybe some other physical therapists that are listening in on this, but there is starting to be some thought that the longer that you crawl on all fours, that the femur, the ball of the femur will actually cause a deeper acetabulum. And therefore, those who have started walking early will have a less deep acetabulum and it would potentially be more shallow. So that was really just for my own, <laughs> my own research there to determine if they were heading in the right direction, which I'm pretty sure that they are. But periacetabular osteotomy is what? What did they do to you? I guess in like simple form, they like cut my pelvis and used screws and kind of like put it over in place to like cover my femur more, I guess. Yeah. So they basically made the acetabulum deeper mm -hmm. is really what they did. They grind it in there, dig it in there, make it deeper, put the ball back in the socket. Yeah. And you said that you are actually feeling a lot better now because of the surgery that you feel more stable. Is that right? Yeah, I feel a lot more stable. There was a lot of stuff that when I started walking again after the surgery and um, was doing more in PT, I could tell that there was like a huge difference from the PT that I was doing a few weeks before the surgery to the PT I was doing after because I could, I could stand on it for longer. I could do stuff like balance on it, which I couldn't ever do before. Like I just couldn't really balance on my right leg at all so I've definitely noticed it is a lot more stable I could work for longer could kind of I had like a lot more endurance in that sense that I could like stand for longer do all that which I was having a lot of trouble with before yeah so 
let's talk a little bit more about the emotional side of it. So we know physically that you went through these surgeries and have overcome and now come out the other side and you're doing a really good job with that. Let's talk about emotionally. How did you endure your teenage years with constant doctor's offices, chronic pain, and not being able to do what you loved? Can you try to like do your best to explain how you felt? When I, when I was younger, it was definitely, I think, a lot harder for me because I was a runner and all of my friends were on the track and cross country team. I felt very lonely in that aspect because I never got to see my friends. And when I did, I never did the workouts with them. So I was kind of always just like a loner. Um, I Luckily, my coach let me help in high school. So I was a manager. So I helped, helped a little bit with that. But I still kind of always felt like an outsider because I never really was like, with the team, you know, because I was always injured and it it pretty much affected everything I did school-wise. I really had no motivation to like get any school done because I really saw no point, which is sad, but I was like, oh, I'm not going to run in college. There's no point even going. So um, I, that was hard. It kind of made me feel bad for my siblings and my parents, you know, very like angry at times when I was in a lot of pain, I would be very like, uh, get angry a lot easier than I would be for. So when I was younger, it was definitely pretty hard. Yeah. So I'm hearing you say the identity of running was kind of stripped away and you mm-hmm. felt lonely in that, but there was family dynamics as well. You have five sisters. I do have five sisters. Yes. Six of you. Yes. And you felt that there was an emotional, and I'm going to interject potentially a financial and time burden that you felt that you were putting on your family as well. Yeah, I mean, whenever I had surgery, my little sisters also ran. So I always felt guilty because whenever I had a surgery, they would have to skip out that season because my parents had to take care of me. They couldn't leave me, you know, for several hours in a day to take them to practice. So yeah, I felt really bad about that. And it was- Your it was sisters were, would not be able to compete <laughs> or participate? Yeah, because I, I always had surgery, like right when the season was starting since I was so young and I was like, I see, you know, can't get up and go to the bathroom by yourself, stuff like that. So my dad would be at work and my mom just stayed at home with me. So (laughs) yeah. How, how is your relationship with your sisters now? Well, I am very close to all of them. I love them all so much. So didn't really affect that much. I don't think they like cared that much. I think I felt more guilty than I needed to about that, but uh, yeah, I'm close with all of them. They're great. Interesting. So you said that you felt you felt more guilty than you probably needed to. Yeah. Explain that. Why do you feel that? I think that probably because if it was like reversed, I might have been a little bit upset that I had to skip out of a season just because, you know, my sister had hip surgery. Like, you know, I can still run, so I should be able to do that, you know. So, but they're great sisters. So I think I cared more about my health than about running a track season luckily that's really neat that's really cool so now that you're older because you said when you're younger it was hard now that you're older reflecting back on that why is it different now I think that from this last surgery I definitely found my identity in Christ more which kind of made me realize that you know what I go through like surgery what I whether I go to school don't go to school as long as I like have a 
firm foundation in Christ that all of this is for a reason and the pain is for a purpose and I'll be able to use that in my life in some way. So I try to look at it with like a different outlook than I did the other surgeries that this was a blessing for me rather than a burden that I could use this to help other people use this to help myself learn about my body, you know, my parents learn about things that they never had to learn about before. So I think that that definitely helped me a lot through the last surgery. So you've found comfort uh, and identity in something outside of extracurricular activities. Yes, exactly. Family has also supported you in that. Mm -hmm. And collectively as a unit, you guys are all now better for having gone through and endured these tough times. Yes, yeah. So is it all hunky-dory now? I mean, I still, yeah, I still have some pain that I'm dealing with. Um, still go to PT. Um, and, you know, I'm working on it. Hopefully, like you always say, just because there's pain now doesn't mean there's always going to be pain. So working through all that, like, previous surgery pain that I've had for, like, the last six years, trying to just be able to build up my tolerance to pain, being able to do things that I didn't want to do before, things like that. And then now let's go ahead and interject the left hip. We've been talking about the right <laughs> hip the whole time. We haven't even started. The left <laughs> this yes. um, congenital hip dysplasia is what we call it, is bilateral, meaning it's on both sides. Are you starting to experience stuff on the left side as well? I am, yeah. I can, I can feel my, I mean, I've kind of always had, like my left hip would bother me from time to time, but I was just always like, oh, it's probably just because I'm overusing my left hip because I don't want to stand on my right leg all day. So I'm just standing on my left leg all day. So I always just thought it was that, but it has started bothering me more that I think that my right hip feels a little bit better. I don't know. My left hip has started bothering me. So. Yeah. And the reason kind of that I'm asking these questions is because this podcast is all about ordinary people who overcome extraordinary obstacles in their life, right? Just day-to-day people. Cause Again, there's young girls out there that are just like you that are having to endure and overcome a lot of things. And I think in our culture, in our society, we just automatically assume that right around the corner is something good. Or Mm -hmm. if I do this, then I will be this. Mm -hmm. But for you, you are overcoming. And I really thought about that with you. You are currently overcoming rather than have had overcome and I kind of like the thought of that and I want to title your podcast that you know something along the lines of overcoming mm-hmm. periacetabular osteotomy or something really cool like that but emphasizing the overcoming rather than I've overcome mm-hmm. and then looking at your life and your experience and your story as something that we're not guaranteed daisies and roses even if we work hard, we're not guaranteed that. But at the end of the day, it's not necessarily about the outcome as much as it is about the journey. Yeah. And your story speaks to that. And it's really, really awesome. Even so much that your family sacrificed for you then, and they're mm-hmm. going to sacrifice for you now, right? And yeah. even, you know, your boyfriend and um, <laughs> things like that, right? who's, who's been right alongside you. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to speak for you, but your story is that you're gaining capacity to help others. 
Yeah. So that they can begin to overcome mm -hmm. and endure it. And you can constantly walk that journey with them. So yeah. you've been on a journey. Yes. Lots and lots of years, even though you're so young, you're, so, <laughs> you're only 20. Yeah. Right? And when you're staring down the future, it's still a little bit unknown. Mm -hmm. But big picture, having gone through the journey and are continually overcoming, what's the plan for you? Well, I have decided, so I'm going to Park University in the fall to get my undergrad in sports and exercise science and hopefully go on to PT school. So can I can help people. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I want to be what you were to me, somebody else. Mm -hmm. So. And I think that that'll be like a really comforting, you know, I never got to finish my high school running career. And I think it'll be like a really great feeling helping other people do that. Yeah. Or just helping them overcome pain in general. Mm -hmm. So and is that something that physical therapy can do? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I why, think so. Why, why do you think so? Uh, because, you know, it's like through everything, I think physical therapy has always been like, the surgery, you know, it helps with the pain, but physical therapy actually helps you get rid of it almost. Like, you know, like the pain is still there after the surgery, you're still in pain, but through like rehab and exercising and everything, you start feeling better and you finally feel more like yourself. And I think that that's like a big part without physical therapy, obviously, I don't think there'd be as much success in surgeries, a lot of surgeries. At least, so. Yeah. Who is responsible for the patient's overall health? As a patient, patient, yeah. is it? I, I, I would think so. <laughs> Why? Why do you think that? Uh, because it, it's your responsibility to go home and to actually do the stuff at home. So they, the physical therapist can give you everything to do, but if you don't actually do it, are you ever actually going to recover from it? So it, it's a lot of hard work, but it's definitely worth it in the end once you start feeling better. <laughs> exactly. So that's a little bit of advice for you as a physical therapist. Ultimately. It's not your responsibility. The full weight of the patient's outcomes don't heavily weigh on you. Yeah. But you have to educate, motivate, and give the why behind the prescribed treatment so that they are aware and understand the hard work. Mm -hmm. And when you work hard, it does pay off. Yeah. It does. And right now we live in a culture and an environment where we don't necessarily want to work hard. We want everything just given to us. Mm -hmm. We got to work hard for it. And believe me, when the patient calls to schedule an appointment with you, they've already done the hardest thing, which is to be vulnerable enough to say, I need help. I'm going to trust this individual or this system whatever it is that they will help me yeah that's true. And, and that's it and that's kind of again going back to what the freedom stories is all about yes we believe freedom has a lot of really good tools and a, amazing physical therapists and a staff that's just going to love on you like crazy and we're going to figure out what's going on and we're going to give you the right directions but ultimately it's up to the patient to show up a <laughs> yeah b for them to do the, the work mm -hmm. And then lastly, for them to actually make the call and show up. Yeah. So. 
yeah. And how did you how did you hear about freedom? Uh, my coach in high school told my dad about you, and so then my dad called, made an appointment, started coming here when I was fifteen. So before any of my surgeries, I started coming here. So yeah, and it how- and it has evolved. <laughs> yeah. You now working here. <laughs> yeah, I I was I remember telling you this like God's plan always comes full circle. Like I would have not have thought this at fifteen <laughs> I would be working here, but. Yeah. We're so thankful for that. And we're excited for, again, you to be a physical therapist someday. And in the meantime, making difference on all the people that come into freedom and your big old smile and your dimples, <laughs> everything about you just exudes joy. Even though you've endured and had to overcome and are overcoming some pretty intense stuff as a youngster. Yeah. So you can stare people in the eyes now and empathize with them as they come in. Uh-huh. knowing where they've been and hoping for the future that you know they'll be able to come out of it yeah I really appreciate that so thing I always love to finish on if you could talk to some young teenage girls and say a few things to them what would you want to tell them having endured what you've endured what would you like to say to them I think that I would just you know let them know that there is a purpose for all pain. And even if your life doesn't end up the way that you had planned it to at such a young age, that that doesn't mean that's not going to be good. It'll probably be better because this will help you get to where you need to be. And that it's more something that I wish like, you know, I would have heard it's more of a blessing than it is a burden because this will, it'll, I don't know, it'll help you with pain. It'll help you overcome emotional stuff. And it'll just be a really good thing for your life. Even if it doesn't end up how you want your life to be, or it kind of stops that from happening. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rachel, for again, sharing your story. Excited and grateful again, that you're going to be with us for hopefully a long, long time. And again, (laughs) story is going to make an impact. There are a lot of people out there um, that are hurting and they just need to understand that there are people out there that can help them. And we're here and available to help. And so, so are other physical therapists, there's other doctors as well. At the end of the day, just don't give up. Yep. Thank right. you for having me. You're welcome. All right. We'll chat. I'll see you in the office. <laughs> Rachel is full of joy and she chooses joy in every situation. It is that incredible quality of hers that allows for her to overcome difficult situations. If you're out there and you need help, there is a guide that can help you walk through difficult times. But I also would encourage you, choose joy. Look for the good. There is something at the end of the tunnel and it is light. You will get there. If you're in the Kansas City area and we can help you, feel free to reach out to us at info at freedompttc.com or follow us on one of our social media outlets. Instagram is at FreedomPTTC, and Facebook is Freedom Physical Therapy and Training Center. Remember, subscribe to our podcast so you can get updates on when the next Freedom Stories go live.